Welcome to the SAMA Podcast, where we talk to the most experienced people in B2B to find answers to one simple question. How can you become and remain essential to your strategic customers? Tune in as our guests reveal what it takes to become the supplier they cannot afford to lose. Learn how to level up your account management strategies to promptly deliver speed, convenience, and success to each customer. Let's jump into the discussion right now with Denise Fryer and Harvey Dunham. Today, I have the honor to introduce you to two experienced at SAM leaders, Richard Santucci and David Hughes, who worked together professionally many years and collaborated to create and improve several SAM programs, starting with a management mandate and a clean sheet of paper. They've kindly agreed to uh, join me today on this podcast and share what they've learned along the way. And I can assure you all who listen to this that you're in for a treat. So, gentlemen, welcome and thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having us, Harvey. Oh, it's a, it. a pleasure. Thanks, Harvey. Absolutely a pleasure. So, let's just start right in and begin at the beginning. And David, how did as I understand it, you were the one that was first approached by your company to create a SAM program. How did that all get started? So, yeah, that's correct, Harvey. We started our program in 2010, and Richard and I were both working for Tyco Valves and Controls. And um, we went through one of our many reorganizations. We were going from a, a regionally based organized company into industry verticals. So uh, oil and gas, mining, power, process. And uh, the gentleman who was going to lead the oil and gas vertical, at least temporarily until we brought in a new president, he was uh, a bit of a visionary. He was running our sales organization in Europe, and he already had a Sam calling on Shell and um, was doing very well in that regard. So he convinced the president of Tyco Valves and Controls to start a Sam program within the oil and gas vertical, focusing on customers like Shell, and ExxonMobil. And so um, the roles that Richard and I had were going to change somehow, some way because of the reorganization. So he approached me and said, hey, I think uh, you might be one of the people who could do a good job starting a strategic account program. Would you be interested in doing that? And um, thought about it and said, yeah, that would be, I mean, of course, my first question was, what is a strategic account program, right? But, uh, you know, I knew a little bit about it, but after thinking about it, I said, yeah, that would be interesting. So kind of jumped in uh, with the, with both feet. That's how we got started in uh, 2010. And then Richard, you got drafted, uh, is, I as I, my, my word. I'm not sure if that that's the right word, but yeah, it, no, like it's, uh, it's, it is accurate. As Dave was saying, you know, prior to the reorganization, Dave was running uh, the North American or, uh, right. region and I was running the Latin American region. And actually the uh, president, uh, the interim president of uh, the balance of controls uh, organization for the oil and gas industry vertical was running Europe. So we were all colleagues. And when the decision was made to reorganize, Frito actually approached me as well and asked me, well, you know, your role is going to change. Would you like to uh, work with uh, with David on putting together this strategic account program for the oil and gas industry vertical? At first, I was a little hesitant. I asked a few questions, but then I thought, boy, they don't really know, other than the fact that we need to concentrate on accounts, they don't really know how to do this. And uh, I thought, right. you know, I had a conversation with David and we thought this might be 
pretty exciting thing for us to embark. And so we went ahead and, and decided to move forward. I reported to Dave for, well, throughout our 10-year stint at this. And uh, but we worked uh, really closely together and uh, were able to, I think, put together a program that we later on decided to uh, put on paper by means of a handbook that we, we wrote. But I, I really relied on Richard, um, his input. Actually, Frito, uh, who's the gentleman who started, who was running the oil and gas vertical, uh, Harvey, at that time, he kind of hand-selected really at least three of us. We had one person in North America, Richard in Latin America, a gentleman in Europe, and then a, a person in uh, Asia. So um, kind of hand-picked us, you know, because he knew who knew of us uh, quite well since we were had similar similar jobs that, that he had, you know. But it, it was a big change because at the time I was running an organization of 500 people. Richard, you were running a big organization. And so we were, you know, I remember talking to the gentleman in Europe who we brought on board. He was actually the shell Sam and um, he was running all of uh, Benelux. I think they called, you know, the Belgium, uh, Netherlands. Anyway, I said, said, Hans, you know, how do you feel going from a a, a gentleman running a a P&L with 50 people reporting to him and and going down to being a sole, you know, the individual contributor. He said, well, how do you feel having run an organization of 500 people going down to running an organization of four? He put it right back at me, but it was really the whole 10 years for me. And I think with Richard was very enjoyable, you know, during all three companies, Tyco, Pentair, and then finally Emerson. Actually, uh, one of the things I have to say is that Frito was pretty visionary in selecting the people, not that they, not because they selected us, but he was looking for businessmen. And uh, obviously, having been responsible for P&Ls, well, Dave and I, we fit the skill set that he was looking for, as opposed to just salespeople. And uh, frankly, we believe that that is a skill set, that is a competence that is absolutely necessary for a SAM program to, to, to progress. You know, it, it makes me wonder what, what business problem was Frito trying to solve. And maybe it wasn't a problem. Maybe it was an opportunity. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> in, I, business, I, in business, it's hard. <laughs> Problems and opportunities, it's more, <laughs> it depends on whether you're winning or losing. <laughs> I think yes. that. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I think that that's a great, I think it was an opportunity. I think that it was pretty well known, Harvey, that uh, Frito having a SAM on shell, that that was very successful. Uh, we ha- we were doing significant business with Shell. That particular Sam, who who became part of our team, you know, called on their corporate engineering and procurement uh, was was helping write their valve standards. Uh, you know, he was very close to the account, so it was pretty easy for Frito to convince the president at that time, Patrick Decker, to start this program because it was widely, uh, I, th- I think, accepted that Shell was a success. You agree with Richard? Yeah. In addition to the Shell example, the rest of the regions did not really have any type of uh, strategic account management program. And it created some issues uh, because obviously the responsibility fell on the sales organization. And the sales organization was incentivized to sell and to book uh, orders. Therefore, the care, the relationship building at the central locations at the corporate level, the visits to the C-level folks was not happening. And that created, I believe, a big problem in being able to climb up the uh, uh, relationship um, 
ladder. a status, you know, a ladder, because we weren't building relationships at that at that level. We were just calling on the locations and trying to, you know, peddle our widgets and close deals today because we needed to hit the month. We needed yeah. to hit the, the, the quarter. Uh, but we were not thinking about building long-term relationships with organizations so that we can attain greater share of wallet and 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 position ourselves to become you know trusted advisors with them. So you know, in that respect, I think uh, Frida was quite visionary and great uh, in, in, in pushing hard for a strategic account management program within within Taiko at the time. And it you know it just occurred to me, but. I'm not sure this is true, but it, certainly the, the customers that you're talking about, uh, Shell, obviously, Exxon, these kinds of companies, they're, they're global by any, oh, absolutely. Yeah. any definition. Right. So, and, that, and they wanted to be treated as a global organization, too, which they is wanted to be recognized by, by yeah. a supplier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, by their and supplier. That, that, was, uh, that was one of the criteria, Harvey, that we had for selecting accounts. The account had to be had to be had have locations in multiple regions. If if not, if it was just headquartered and mainly mainly had locations in one region, it was a regional account. So we, right. our program was a global strategic account program focused on on large global companies. Yes, and you know when back to now back to when you first got started. Were you given any guidelines? Did they? Uh, uh, I mean, usually, usually with these gifts from the CEO or the president, that there's usually some some expectations that come along with it. Uh, well, expectations were there, but uh, there was there was no guidance. Perhaps David could elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah, I mean, there, I can tell you that one of the one of the guidelines that, or I guess. I guess a guideline that Frito established, uh, which I don't think turned out to be the best, was what I talked about earlier, having, you know, kind of focus it regionally. So me in North America, Richard in Latin America, we had a person in Asia and the person in Europe. What we ended up changing to or moving towards was really focusing on the accounts and having the these SAMs where they needed to be from an account standpoint, not from a just, okay, we're going to have somebody in each region because we really didn't have any at that time, Asian based regional global accounts. So we, but we had a SAM in Asia. So outside of that guideline, there really was, it was really a blank sheet of paper, Harvey. And, you know, it was kind of, you guys go create the program. And so that's, um, I remember talking to our VP or director of marketing at the time. And she said, Hey, you guys should get involved in this organization called SAMA. And we said, what is SAMA? You know, and so we found out that I, I think this this happened, Richard, like beginning of the year, right? January, February is when we kicked off the new company. And then we found out there was a SAMA conference in May. And uh, we asked the president, could we attend that? So that was our first SAMA conference in May of 2010. And um, <laughs> thankfully, we, we went to that conference because we it was a great we, we was a, a lot of uh, a lot of information from that. Spearheaded the process that we created. Uh, you know, right. I think so, so to answer your question, we really didn't have, as I said, outside of the initial structure, all right, with the four people, we really didn't have a whole lot of guidelines. Um, and, you know, there was really no cookbook for strategic account management as far as we knew. And we found out about this organization and we said, we got to go see what goes on there. There were some books that we read, you yeah. know, Pippon's book. And, 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 but I think that what really helped us were the seminars and the uh, training seminars 
that we attended uh, that May of 2010. Interesting. It is uh, one of the gentlemen in the community uh, often says this, that SAMs and SAM leaders and adults basically learn best from stories and peers. Uh-huh. And that's yeah, sure. Yeah, it sounds true. like that was that was very true for you guys. That's no, how... no, no question about it. You know, the one thing that also I was I was amazed at that meeting was in Chicago, and um, I just couldn't believe how many people were there. I mean, I said, yeah. how can there be this many people involved in this thing called strategic account management? You know, no. so yeah, we were we were real novices. I mean, we really were. But you know, we jumped in and created a you know did our best to create our program. Uh, wow, amazing. You know, looking back, I, you know, just to, before we go forward here, but I'm just curious about this. If you were someone who had just inherited a SAM program and called you guys up and said, hey, what advice can you give me? What, what kind of questions should I ask? What should I, how should I get started? What would you, uh, what advice would you give them? Uh, I'd say we have a book now that you can buy and has uh, all <laughs> I shouldn't, I shouldn't, you know, tout our, toot our horn, but we do. That's why we wrote the book because, you know, we, I, I would say that, you know, we struggled to really try to understand what we were supposed to do and how we were supposed to structure, structure this, this thing that we were calling a program because it wasn't, it needed to be a program. So um, that's kind of why we put the book together because we we really wanted to give uh, people kind of a, a handbook of how you can think about creating the program and the different elements, the different elements of that program. And um, so outside of SAMA, I would say buy the book, you know, called The uh, Secrets of Successful Strategic Account Management, and it'll help you uh, with the different processes that are involved. Well, yeah. But if if we were to uh, dive a little deeper, clearly becoming a member of SAMA, getting the organization to become a member of SAMA, I believe would be a first step, but then getting a good understanding as to what leadership wants and making certain that leadership is committed to the program is also crucial. I think that in our case, Dave, one of the things that allowed us to get the process going and to get the process to grow the business was the fact that we did at, you know, at least at the beginning, you know, the first year had full commitment from the top. From, from yes. Patrick Decker down, you know, Frito and then Sherry. Yes. Uh, we had, we had, it was an enterprise-wide program and it was very visible to the whole organization. And the fact that we were leaders in the former structure. That helped, definitely. That helped we, because we were, you know, well-respected within the organization and gave us the ability to maneuver and lead without authority across the regions, consider the fact that we were dealing with global accounts. And one of the concerns that we had was being able to show ourselves as a united front in front of these customers, right? Because that's one of the things that they were clamoring. And so I think that making certain that there is commitment from the leadership team within the organization to invest in this program and to support the program is crucial. So in addition to buying our book, of course, which will tell you how to do it, this is a crucial point. I think initial point is to elicit and attain the commitment from the top. 
is the top the CEO or is the top the CEO and C-suite? Just to push a little further in here and say, you know, where do you need that commitment from? I guess in our case, we can speak to our case. In our case, it was the president of the company. So it was from the top. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it was the person who was really running the P&L because, you know, we were people who had been, you know, been with the company for many years. So our our salaries were not low at, at all. And so they were making a pretty big commitment by taking us from these general management positions and putting us into these strategic account roles. So, like, you know, in our case, it was the P&L leader. In that particular business, Harvey, we reported into a president of oil and gas who reported into a president of Tyco Valves and Controls. Now, I think each vertical, even though they, the, the teams were smaller, each vertical had some kind of a SAM program, okay, process, mining. I think if the president of Tyco Valves and Controls had not approved of that program, he could have done away with that in each of the verticals. So we, we really needed to make sure that the president of the overall organization, Tyco Valves and Controls, was supportive of that program. And that person at the time had come from Emerson, who had a pretty strong program, of course. So he was supportive. The other thing that I think newcomers into the strategic account management program need to look at is account selection. In our case, it was relatively easy because we were talking about oil and gas and we just selected the oil and gas majors. The other thing that I believe that needs to happen is that based on the resources that are going to be given to the program director, he needs to make certain that he does not grab more than he can chew. He needs to, it needs to be a small program at first, few accounts, make certain that the program is successful before they can think about growing it and expanding it into other accounts. So that would be another advice that I would get somebody who's starting the program, commitment from the top, Make certain that you are resourced correctly and don't try to chew more than, you know, bite more than you can chew. The last thing I'll add, if I can, is that I think people should keep an open mind about Sam because, you know, in our case, uh, you know, you approach somebody like Richard or me, who's been a general manager, a PL leader for a number of years, and you say, hey, I'd like you to think about becoming a Sam or running a Sam program. You know, people could look back at that's really a step down, you know, but so I think people should really keep an open mind because I'll tell you the 10 years, you know, that was one of the best 10 years of my career, creating the program and, and running it and building a team. At the end, we had a team of 13 to 15 managers and program managers, and it was a blast. It really was. Yeah. I mean, and of course, you know, we because of the nature of the program, we traveled around the world. We had to, you know, and that was a great experience. So. Being able to deliver results is also very oh, yeah, of important, you know. Well, that was kind of table stakes, right, Richard? I mean, if we well, you know, I'd like my bonuses at the end of the year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. When we were talking, I, I got the sense that you ended up actually helping more than one program. That as you were going through this process, you got the opportunity to to help some of the other divisions and kind of help get some other programs started. Could you talk a little bit about that, please? Sure. Uh, Dave, you want to take this one or? Yeah, I mean, I think I think, you know, because we were fairly I think we had a you know, I'm, I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back, but I think Richard and I have uh, had a good reputation in the company. All right, Harvey. And so when we would travel to other regions, we were greeted and they wanted us there because, 
you know, we were, we understood strategic sales. We understood account management, account planning. And so I think when we went into a region, we did a lot of training of the salespeople that were in those regions. So I think we really helped the sales organization in, in many cases. And we also got involved in a lot of marketing effort uh, related to the different industries. You know, So they would tap Richard for information on oil and gas, or they would tap our uh, Colin, our mining guy, on, on mining expertise. So I think because of our, we had a lot of experience and we had we were we had a fairly good reputation in the company. We had a good reputation in the company. We were we were we got involved in a lot of different aspects of the company, and I think hopefully made made it better in that regard. I would say also that as we traveled, as Dave indicated, we were embraced by the regions and by the sales organizations that were responsible for covering specific territories. They wanted us to go and make sales calls with them, yep. and we did. And since we were strategic account managers that had relationships at the corporate level, we would normally be able to find key people at high levels within the sites that would be very difficult for the sales organization locally to reach to. And those doors would be open right away through our relationship from the, from the corporate office, you know, from the central location where they would send an email and alert them of our visit and they would actually set up appointments for us to meet with, you know, the plant managers and, uh, and high-level individuals at the sites. And this was extremely valued by the sales organization because they would accompany us to those meetings and initiated the relationship, the direct relationship with those folks, which was crucial to the latter growth of our business in those particular locations. So yeah, they loved us. Yeah, the other the other thing I, I remember getting involved in because we had exposure with so many different parts of the organization, so many different people, particularly in the sales organization. I remember getting asked about you know people who they were thinking about promoting. You know whether that was a good selection uh, from my opinion. So mm -hmm. um, you know we kind of got involved in HR to that extent because of the you know the relationship that we had with the the various people in the regions. So that was that was kind of neat. Yeah, yeah. Kind of interesting. This is one of the concepts that we hear. We hear this a lot in life sciences, in particular, because every country has a different life sciences setup. So mm -hmm. as opposed to having a a central SAM program where everybody is kind of executing one play, Probably, yeah. you really have to have 200. There's 200 countries in the world. Right. There's mm -hmm. 200 variations going on out there. And this SAM program becomes more of a center of excellence where yes. you say these are best practices. These, So you were a little bit of both. You, we were. A, a global strategic accounts program, but you were also providing local guidance and support to, to help them elevate their game and, and yeah. create relationships and reach people. So it wasn't just uh, here, this is what you should go do, go do it. it was, no, I think we were looked at as, as mentors. Let us help you, let us yeah. help you get to the right people so you can start to develop the relationship yeah. you need to develop. Actually, they, a lot, a, 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 some folks in some territories, they would embrace the process and they would apply it to their regional accounts. Right. You know, as an example, you know, just to, uh, very, support. very cool. So, you know, when you uh, 
obviously you got to a point in time when it was uh, you'd had enough fun and decided that it was time to uh, be your own bosses, basically. And 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 you decided to write this book. You retired and decided to write uh-huh. this book. When you were writing it, how did you decide to organize it to help? People that that had never had that the, had never never walked, been through the process before. Right. How did you uh, how did you think about that? I think Richard, you, you know, you tell me what, what your thoughts are. I mean, from my perspective, I think we kind of wrote the book like we built the program, Harvey. You know, so you know, the first thing we needed to do was, of course, it was decided for us that we were going to create a program, but. You know, we had a so we had a burning platform in that regard. But we we do write about a burning platform in the book. Um, so the first thing we we thought we needed to do was decide what accounts were going to be part of the program. Now, in, in Richard said when we started as the oil and gas business, that was probably relatively easy. But then uh, soon after that, the company reorganized again, and it was all of the all the process all of the verticals were under our scope. So it became much more difficult to select accounts. And so that's when we really put together the account selection process. And then we thought, okay, well, how are we going to find these people? You know, let's put together, you know, a process related to finding account managers. So we kind of built, we kind of wrote the book based on kind of sequentially the processes that we put together. Is that fair, Richard? Yeah, that is fair. That is exactly how it happened. And, uh, you know, once we selected the account managers, whether they were, you know, internal candidates or external candidates, then because it was a global program, we had to identify those critical sites and identify who was going to cover them because most critical sites contributed to the revenue base that and the growth that we were expecting that was expected of us. Because one of the mandates, well, one of the mandates that we applied to ourselves, frankly, was that whatever the growth of the business was, our accounts were going to grow twice as much. Right. That was our goal. We were going to grow twice as much as the average rate of growth of the overall business. And we accomplished that every single year. But we needed to identify and make sure that we had those critical sites identified. And then we could start with the planning. Now that we had all of the people in place, we knew who the accounts were, we could start with the planning process. So we basically yeah. wrote it as, so as we built it. <laughs> we accomplished that goal every year we could get financial data, Richard, right? And that well, was always that was always a struggle, Harvey. Um, if we didn't you know, get if we didn't have the data, we just had to assume that we made it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's correct. You know, uh, but that was that was a, a challenge being a global company with in some cases many ERP systems. When we got the the support from finance, it was it was great. But you know, we we had numerous changes in in upper management when we were going through this for the t- during the ten years. We had I think seven different leadership teams that changed. Uh, so that means like change every year and a half. And so depending on who was in charge, depended on the kind of support we got from a financial from a you know finance standpoint. And it was a burden for them. We, we, we recognized that because at one point there were 32 ERP systems, yeah. you know, and to be able to gather all the data from that, you know, uh, thankfully that got reduced quite a bit. So it became a little easier for the finance folks to do it. But then if we didn't have commitment from the top and with some leaderships, it was not as strong of a commitment as with other leadership teams that we dealt with. As a matter of fact, 
you know, one of the things that Dave did was to make certain we had a good elevator speech so that we could immediately attack the new leadership team to make certain yeah. that they understood what we were doing and uh, the value that we were bringing to the organization. And we did that aggressively. You know, we wouldn't wait until a new leadership team would say, what are these what are these guys, are these people doing flying around the world? You know, we want to we went after them and had prepared you know, I guess you'd say as an elevator speech, you know, what is strategic account management? Why is it really important for this business to have this program? And we also felt that, you know, just communication was very important, not just the elevator speech, but communicating what we were doing to the organization. We obviously communicated with our strategic accounts, right? But we really needed to communicate what difference we were making on a regular basis. So we had a quarterly newsletter that was uh, fairly professional, was quite professional, was done with, with in conjunction with our marketing communications department that would talk about new contracts with customers, project wins, new people coming on the team. And then every month, the account leaders prepared a monthly report that we sent out to all the leadership in the organization, you know, talking about, you know, what, what changes were happening, what uh, what progress we were making at the account, you know. So uh, we need to, we thought that was really important, especially when we had times where we weren't able to get concrete financial information because you know we needed to make sure that people knew why we were there and what we were doing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, coincidentally, when we didn't get the financial information as readily as we needed it, normally it also matched lower level of commitment that management had. That's the reason why we didn't get the numbers, right? So it became paramount upon the program for the program's health to make certain that the value that we were bringing was communicated appropriately and, uh, and, and readily to make certain that people recognized, you know, the, the, what the program was doing and that, you know, the investment, that the investment being made was paying off. One of the questions that I was thinking about earlier was the it was clear that you had good acceptance by sales and sales leadership generally. I, I realize the world's a big place. There's yeah. <laughs> the reason yeah. the reason we all have jobs is because there's problems. So there's always problems, but they're they were solvable. Yes. But the internal organization is another aspect altogether. The business units. Absolutely. And and yes. you know, finance and you know, everybody that's involved. Operations. In Operations, yeah, service, the services, the whole group. Yeah, yeah. So it 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 was important. What you're saying is you you've uh, whether you've got the numbers or not, you better be communicating your value absolutely to those people at the leadership level, at regional levels, and yeah. across the enterprise. Across the enterprise. So you were I. I was that part of the SAM's responsibility then if I'm a strategic account manager for global oil company X? Yeah, well, that was part perhaps of my I could Perhaps I could, because uh, I was one of the contributors. I handled ExxonMobil and British Petroleum BP, and it was my obligation, my, my duty to uh, provide articles for the newsletter, for example to make certain that what was happening at BP and what was happening at ExxonMobil was communicated appropriately, you know, co-creation activities, things that are not necessarily measurable by the numbers, but that would create long-term value and increased revenue to the company would be reported. Obviously, big project wins, 
things of the such. We uh, and it was not necessarily we didn't only report the wins. We reported activity that was quite diverse. You know, I mentioned co-creation activities, relationship building activities, share of wallet information, new product development, the growth of a new product being that had been introduced into the market within the account. Normally, a growth that would be that would exceed the growth of the uh, new product growth overall. Yeah. Uh, things of the such would be reported in these newsletters, and the newsletter made it to the C level all the way down to the janitor. So every did I get you right? It was quarterly. Yeah, the, the newsletter was quarterly, but the monthly, re- uh, of course, the monthly reports were monthly. Right. Um, they weren't, you know, the newsletter was a production, right? The, sure. the monthly reports were, we had a template. They were fairly simple, but they were, they were as important. And, yes. you know, getting back to what Richard said earlier, I think he was talking about, and I probably said it too, about us really looking for people who were business people for these roles. You know, we had, we had some Sams that were great elephant hunters, you know, but when it came to reporting, they were not very good. And that was a problem for us because we needed to be timely. You know, we needed to be consistent. So if we had 10 SAMs, they had, we had to have 10 monthly reports that I could send out every month at the same time. So it became a problem if somebody was great at selling, but couldn't handle the, you know, the administrative aspects of the job. So yes, it was a requirement and they were, you know, that was part of their job description to contribute to the communication, you know, the communication program that we had within the SAM program. Yeah, just to, just to make certain that the, the monthly reports were sent to the leadership team. So it was not something that would go to Dave and Dave would read them and file them. These made it all the way up to the top. Uh, I did and- I did spell check on them and that kind of thing, but uh, but, <laughs> but you know and 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 we changed them, Harvey, depending on. So when we were uh, depending on how we were organized, we, when we were organized, like you mentioned earlier, by business unit, we would ask the SAMs to report their activity by business unit. So when we sent them out, if I was business unit A, I only needed to read the stuff in business unit A that happened. If I didn't want to go through the entire report, you know, so we tried to make it easy for the business leaders, however we were organized, to get the information that they needed. Ah, nice. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, really important to, I remember an old saying about salespeople, you should always be selling. The point being not just with customers, but internally too. Yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's a shame to say that, but you really have to do that. You We had to do that. You know, we, you know, sometimes you think, well, you know, I should just be, they should just look at what I'm doing and see what the merits of me you know, no, you have to, you have to sell, you have to sell internally. Yep. As I was uh, looking over the, the, your book and, and there was one thing that you pointed out in the book that you, that you talk about, which is the, what are some of the common mistakes that cut into profits? And I was, two things captured my attention because a lot of times salespeople are just worried about revenue. I mean, profit is, kind of somebody else's problem. Clearly it wasn't from your perspective. It's not something that it comes up. We all know it when we feel it, but usually we start worrying about that after it happens. Something happens to the profits and then people start screaming and then you have to reactively go in. But right, right. I'm just curious what kinds of common mistakes you saw that, that uh, are preventable if you take the right corrective actions. 
I think there are a couple, uh, and, and really to, to me, it has to do with not spending the, the money Harvey wisely. So we had these positions called program managers, right? A lot of these, these folks came from many times from our project management organization and they were extremely, and Richard can, can go into more detail about how, how much help they provided to the strategic account manager. My point is that these people allowed us to make significant progress at these accounts, but depending on who was in power, uh, who I had to convince, or we had to convince that we needed these positions would depend on how many of those positions we had, you know? And so we, we made much more progress, did much better with our strategic accounts when we had those positions. So, you know, if, if the organization was looking at cutting costs, maybe they wouldn't allow us to have more than one or two program managers. And it really it hindered our ability to make money. So therefore it cut into our profits. The other thing that I would say in that same regard is that we had some people suggesting that we have strategic account managers that did two jobs. So they were a regional salesperson, but then a strategic account manager. We actually did that in a couple of cases. It never worked because that person would always kind of lean towards that job of month to month sales and put little effort into the strategic account piece of it. So we had to have dedicated SAMs and that cost money. But in the long run, it improved profit because you know, we, we were closer to the accounts. We knew them better. We did more business there. We were able to sell more profitable products. It was just, um, it's just the way it worked out. And so I think that's from my perspective, how you can cut into profits by not investing the way you should in the program. Prior to the program being put in place, we had issues. Every, every company has issues with deliveries. Every company has issues with product defects. And we had those not Thankfully, not very often, but we had those. Yeah. Those can be killers as far as profitability and growth is concerned. Good point. Once the strategic account management program was in place and running, it became a whole lot more visible. We became aware of these issues at the central location faster. The organization, our organization, became more aware of the fact that if there were an issue with a strategic account, it needed to be brought to the SAM immediately. And that allowed us to mitigate these risks yeah. of losing business. As a matter of fact, they, in most cases, were turned into opportunities because as you address swiftly yeah. an issue with the customer and you resolve it, you gain a tremendous amount of credibility with him or her. And you basically, and this becomes personal now, not organizational. And this person will always be indebted to you. And that actually translates into more orders and elevates you to a higher status from a relationship standpoint and basically gets you closer to that trusted advisor level that you want to be because you've mitigated risk yep. to them. It's their risk, not so much our risk. There is a risk for, the, for your organization, which is you can lose their business, but you solved their problem that you initiated swiftly, mitigating any risk that they have in terms of production, uh, safety, productivity, yields, what have you. And that is- Yeah, and, and I think because um, I, I would say all of our SAMs 
even if they were, you know, earlier in their career, they had a group, good reputation within the company. So if they if they were calling an operations leader for a problem, it got addressed more rapidly, frankly, than if a, a regional or you know uh, salesperson was calling somebody from operations. So we could really jump on those it, those issues that Richard brings up and quickly take care of the problem for the customer. Which you're right, yeah. I mean, that could definitely cut into profits. You lose that business, yeah. Especially when a distribution account director, when they was reporting to the president as opposed to reporting to the sales by VP, because now it actually elevated the status of the program and of the whole function. And it gave us a greater level of credibility internally as well with operations services and what have you. Why? Amazing. It's, it's uh, where you, I remember uh, one of my favorite things was we don't have problems. We have opportunities, right? Yeah. Every time a customer has a problem, it's it's an opportunity to fail. <laughs> it's yeah, a, if you don't also you don't an opportunity to succeed. It's black or white. There's yeah. no middle ground. You either you either win or lose. But yeah. you know, it can really uh, it can really be the the thing that takes you to the next level if you handle it correctly. Yeah, absolutely, that's what I'm hearing. Amazing. Maybe could you just summarize your your top lessons learned in all of this for? <laughs> Um, I'll leave that one to you, Dave. I hate to talk about our failures. Well, actually, yeah, we we do have um, we do have some some lessons learned. We do a chapter yeah. on lessons learned in the book, Harvey. I think there's a couple that really stick out to me. You know, the first has to do with this, uh, and I think we we do address this in the book. This logistical issue that I talked about earlier. We had a, a Sam in Singapore calling on a strategic account in France. Okay. That was dumb. Okay. So we quickly learned that we didn't make any progress with that account. I mean, first of all, culturally, it didn't fit. Logistically, it didn't fit. So, you know, we really started to get smarter about hiring people, you know, in the right area and with the right culture. We tried to find them and we typically did find people internally we promoted most of the people into the SAM program instead of going outside and hiring. But, you know, we realized that, you know, Richard could be in California and fly to Houston, but you can't handle an account in Europe from California. It's just, you know, it's right. just too far. Away. I'm talking about the headquarters now, right? Correct. Right. Right. So it's a cultural issue, which is very crucial, which is crucial. Right. And so I think that's a lesson that we learned early on. Maybe it was like, duh, but, you know, we, we, we didn't know we started the program. And the other thing, I think Richard just alluded to this, that we were the most successful. I think our program was most successful and we got the most support when we reported into the president of the organization rather than into the sales leader. And um, it it has nothing to do with people being good or bad. It's just that the sales leader was kind of like the rest of the organization concerned about month in, month out numbers. And we didn't necessarily get the support that we not always got the support that we really needed or wanted as opposed to when we reported into the president of the organization. And when we started this uh, program, we did report into the president of the oil and gas organization. And it was, I think, very effective. Richard? Yeah. So I I think those are the two big lessons that, that hit, you know, that come to my mind. I don't know, Richard, if there's any. We had a strategic account manager who actually you alluded to this, Dave, who was a great salesperson, a great relationship manager as well, but terrible communicating and relating internally. And well, terrible perhaps is a strong word, but 
Struggle. He's struggling. Terrible is terrible. Struggle. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> it was very difficult because he was very effective as a salesman. Oh, yes, absolutely. Phenomenally effective. That. But internally, he rubbed people the wrong way. And that actually deterred from gaining, you know, or maintaining the level of commitment that we require. Internally. Yeah. Internally, right? Yeah, so, yes. so they've had to maneuver that to a point where we maintained and got the results that the elephant hunter provided, but at the same time shielded him from the, uh, you know, the, 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 the politics, if you will, that uh, is required with, uh, with, with, the, with the leadership team. That's a good way of putting it, Richard. Yeah, that it is. So, and, and, you know, there are people, there's some people, I mean, people are people like this person just didn't like doing that stuff, you know? And, um, so we said, okay, that's fine. You, you, you're great. You keep those relationships going and we're going to put, um, you know, Mr. X, Y, Z in charge of doing that kind of stuff for that account. And it worked out very well. You know, uh, I mean, initially it was, you know, <laughs> but it was the best, it was really the best for managing that account. Yeah. You know? Wow. So again, it goes back to selecting the right Sam uh, right. for each account and the criteria should not only be focused on the account management piece. It's also managing the management team internally as well. It requires some business savvy it, uh, and political political savvy, I guess, is, is, is also required for the position. That's interesting because I think that I, don't, I think Richard was I, I was not a taskmaster by any stretch of the imagination right? uh, as, a, as a director of our account program. But what I did try to uh, talk to the team about at times is, you know, we got to make sure we're traveling around the globe and we're representing the strategic account organization. So we need to make sure that we do that at the highest and most professional level possible, because we're running into people at different levels all over the organization, all over the world. So, you know, I don't even, maybe a couple of times I got reports that I didn't really like about somebody who traveled. There was a few issues, but generally speaking, you know, I got wonderful you know, reports on our folks when they went into different regions. And that was always really gratifying to me. You know, it was a tr tremendous group, you know, and I'm, I'm sure strategic account directors and many companies just feel the same way. I was just blessed to have to work with the talent that I worked with for, for 10 years. And, and it was funny because, and this is the last thing I'll say is that they were all so different, but they were all so effective. And really they were right. Richard, you think yeah, about yeah, the team, I mean, and, uh, but they, everybody got along, tried to help each other. It was a real special uh, situation and certainly a special part of my career. No question. One, one, of, uh, one of Dave's competence is team building. And he created a tremendous team that really was in sync. And as he said, very diverse for clear, for obvious reasons, right? A global organization will, by default, be a very diverse organization. And uh, but one that was incredibly effective and one their camaraderie was just tremendous. They were not very good at top golf. Pretty, pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> He's talking about me. I'm not a good golfer. No, we didn't have any, we didn't, I don't think we, we didn't have any good golfers on, on the team, Richard. I don't think. No. They were all, I, I, I chuck it up to they were working too hard. They weren't on the golf course, Harvey. I don't know. I was going to say, when you travel that much, it's pretty hard to keep it's your hard. handicap it's, where you it want it to be. Well, gentlemen, I can't thank you enough for sharing the 
wisdom that you've shared with us, that this experience and, and the fact that you've written a book about it is even better. And we'll, when we uh, send out the notification to our audience about this, we'll make sure that people know where to find it if they're interested. Great. And, you know, it's, uh, you know, thank you for your kind words for SAMA. We're, we're, uh, we did our job. <laughs> we exposed you to what best practice. You did. Like, and then, but it's pretty easy to tell somebody what they ought to do. The hard part is doing it and you did it. So congratulations. And uh, thank you. Been so great to uh, meet you both and follow you on your journey a little bit here. And I hope that this isn't the last time we talk. I hope it's the first. Absolutely. Thanks, Harvey. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Good luck. And uh, you're welcome back anytime. Uh, Thanks. Thank you. Thank you again.